This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got a special guest, and this is the first time we've had multiple guests on the same show, so I'm going to welcome Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. Those are the hosts of the Just Thinking podcast, and today we are going to go deep on the race issue. These guys have done a lot of thinking, a lot of speaking, writing, and just talking about the issue of race in America, but especially within the church. But just to give you a little idea of what the Just Thinking podcast is, it is considered a Christ-centered, gospel-focused, and theologically challenging program that boldly and unapologetically addresses social, political, and cultural issues from a biblical worldview. So that's the description from their website. But let me give you a little better idea of who Daryl and Virgil are. So Daryl is the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You, which is the Bible teaching ministry of John MacArthur. All of you would know John MacArthur by now. Uh, He has a blog called Just Thinking for Myself. He is also a fellow of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute at Princeton Theological Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey. And he's a graduate of the Theology and Ministry Program at PTS. Now, Virgil Walker, he is the discipleship pastor at Westside Church in Omaha, Nebraska. And then he also is attending Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he is working to complete his MDiv, his Master of Divinity. But I got to tell you, I I really looked forward to this episode because these guys have a very unique perspective and they come at it from a very unique way. You hear a lot of people that jump into, you know, the race issue or the race inside the church issue or the critical race theory issue or postmodernism or whatever. And you can tell they haven't really done their homework. You just can't listen to either one of these guys talk about the topic of race or postmodernism or Marxism or anything like that and think to yourself, yeah, these guys just really haven't done their research. These guys are incredibly smart. They're incredibly well thought out in terms of their argumentation. You've really got to check out their podcast, especially the podcast that they've done on the issue of race. But guys, on this podcast, we go into Black Lives Matter. We talk about, you know, the stuff that Matt Chandler has even been saying recently and how critical race theory seems to be sneaking into a lot of sermon content, not just for Matt Chandler, but people all over the place. And then we go into some other topics that I think will certainly be of interest to you all. So guys, without further ado, let's get into it. Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, welcome to Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having us. Hey, Kyle, thanks for having us, man. Absolutely. And I just got to tell you guys right from the top, we are not known for easing into interviews here at Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. And I know you guys aren't very sheepish. So we're just going to get right into the content for today. And the first question that I have for you is, is Black Lives Matter, the organization, satanic? Yeah, I'll I'll jump. I'll jump in that. You know, I I, I'm real careful about categories and titles. I want to be very specific. Um, I I do recognize the ideology that fuels an organization like Black Lives Matter. It's Marxian. Right. Uh, Their their, their political ideology is is communistic um, and it's in its end result. Um, And as a result, uh, from a standpoint of theology, it's anti-God, it's anti-Bible, it's anti-Christian. So if if all of those categories land you in a satanic arena, more power to you. I think more times than not, when you you start there and don't explain how we got there or how we get there, you lose people along the way. And so rather than than leap to, hey, this is a satanic organization, da-da-da-da, I'd much rather walk you through the ideological framework the political framework, the economic framework, uh, and, and even even their even their theological uh, footprint, which again is anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christian, and so you can definitely say this is anti-Christ. And then and then from there, you could say, you know what, this this opposes God. This is this is everything that the enemy would would try to do to destroy uh, culture. 
uh, and and to and to make sure that we uh, don't hold near and dear to a uh, that we don't hold near and dear to a a biblical um, a Judeo Christian worldview. And so, absolutely, I would I would land in those spaces. Yeah, uh, Kyle, uh, I want to just add real quickly to what Virgil said. Virgil mentioned something that's very very important as it relates to Black Lives Matter is that you have to walk through the ideology, right? You have to walk through and gain an understanding of who this organization is. And, and it was for that reason that Virgil and I, on our Just Thinking podcast, we spent over six hours, two episodes, sort of uh, walking you through, number one, how the organization of Black Lives Matter is structured. That's what we did in the first episode. In the second episode, we followed that up with what are the spiritual elements? What are the spiritual layers? What are the spiritual uh, tenants that drive this organization, especially as it relates to its leaders. Uh, so I appreciate what Virgil said and that you can't just make a blanket statement and say Black Lives Matters is satanic or demonic without deconstructing it and then building it back up. And as Virgil, once you build the organization back up, when you hold the elements of Black Lives Matter up against what scripture teaches, I think you'll come to the objective conclusion that it is uh, uh, an organization that is driven by uh, unchristian, unbiblical uh, um, elements, worldviews, ideologies, philosophies. It is deeply steeped in Marxism. Uh, they have, uh, uh, that organization rather, has as one of its uh, core objectives to uh, completely destroy uh, Western capitalism and then replace it with uh, Marxism, sort of a Marxo-communist uh, uh, society and structure. Uh, so uh, for, for anyone who, uh, who wants a more uh, holistic uh, uh, example of what Black Lives Matter stands for and what drives them and motivates them and influences them, just they go out to our uh, podcast and listen to episodes 102 and 103. That's over six hours of content on Black Lives Matter. Yeah, and I would absolutely encourage our listeners to do that. And specifically, the, these next couple of questions I have for you guys is from the episode, The Church of BLM. I thought that there were a lot of tremendous arguments made in the that podcast in particular, and a lot of just overall benefit in terms of the types of content you went into to give us a better understanding. But Virgil, specifically, you made a point on that podcast where you said, the gospel of Black Lives Matter is a works-based salvation that never truly saves a sinner. And that is why I believe the church of Black Lives Matter must be rejected. So I wanted to give you kind of a little bit of time to, to kind of tease that out a little bit further. And then, Daryl, I got a question for you right after that from the same episode. But for Virgil, what, what did you mean when you said that? Great question. And I, I appreciate I appreciate it when when folks who interview us have actually taken the time to go through our content and material and, and, and mine it for what we've put into it. Because Daryl and I both spent a tremendous amount of time going to original resources, uh, identifying what not not what we think based upon an editorial review, but based upon what Black Lives Matter themselves say about themselves. So w- with regard to that particular comment, what I was basing that on is what what organizations uh, like Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter in particular and other organizations who are sensitive to their worldview, what they what they want you to do in order to fix what they see as injustice and, and, they, and the way they term it is racial injustice, what they want you to do is to be engaged in what's called anti-racist works. And those anti-racist works are, are, are always 
uh, aimed at one particular group of people, whites in particular, people uh, people who who are are determined to to, to not have color, right? Th- those who are those who are uh, people of color are the beneficiaries of the work that whites will do in an effort to atone for the sin of racism historically in the United States of America. And so now there, there, you have you have proponents who are going to point to things around the world that have happened as a result. But they'll stop. What they'll do is they'll stop short of. And 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 Daryl has done a great job of explaining this. They'll stop short of looking at what's taken place uh, in the in the transatlantic slave trade, where blacks were the ones who identified and captured other blacks in an effort to sell them to whites for the slavery that took place in the United States. And so their their, their vision of of sin is very short-sighted. It's only aimed at a period in time, historically speaking, where whites were the perpetrators, where blacks were subjugated. And so the works that you need to be involved in, whether you committed the sin or not, uh, requires you to be engaged in it for your life. And it never truly satiates uh, the woke. It never truly atones for the sins of the historic past. You will need to do these works for the rest of your life and they will, and they will never abdicate you of any responsibility. The, the, in, in the in the court system of BLM, you, 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 the, the when they adjudicate the issue of racism, you, you're you're never able to pay a penalty or a price high enough for you to be free of any debt related right. to your sin. And so that that's kind of how that begins to be teased out. Well, and that's what I've talked about on, I did a whole series called Race in America. And I talked about, you can never bow low enough. You can never apologize loud enough for for the mob. And in this case, that's kind of the mob that I was discussing. But in that same episode, Daryl, and and I I swear we could spend the rest of our time talking just about the points you made on this particular topic. But you talked about how in order to have a church, right? So you established the church of BLM, but in order to have one, you have to have a theology, a soteriology, and an eschatology. And so when you, you claim that BLM has all three of these, that their theology is racism, their soteriology is Marxism, and that their eschatology is socialism. And so if you could just first briefly define theology, soteriology, and eschatology, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, and then can you give us a better idea as to why you think BLM has those three things? Yeah, I'd be glad to, Kyle. So in layman's terms, theology is a study of God, right? So, so, so theos is the Greek word for God, ology is the uh, Greek word for word. So, so theology is a study of God and his word. Soteriology, again, is another uh, um, uh, uh, Greek term that comes from the Greek word soterio, from which is the word salvation in the Greek. So soteriology is the study of the doctrine of salvation. Okay, so theology is the study of the doctrine of God. Soteriology is the study of the doctrine of salvation. And eschatology is another Greek word, comes from the root word eschaton, which means end times. So eschatology is a study of the end times or what the word of God says about the end times. So as those three elements relate to Black Lives Matter, as I said in that episode, the church of BLM, Black Lives Matter has all three of those. Uh, They have a theology, meaning they have a a belief system, they have a worldview, they have an ideology that is motivating them, that is driving them. They also have a soteriology, so they have an ultimate goal. So they an ultimate um, objective and goal in terms of where that worldview and that uh, that ideology, that theology is going to take them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ultimately, when they get there, when, they, when if and when they were able to are able to reach this sort of Marxian societal nirvana, 
that they that they that they strive to uh, to take uh, America towards, then that is salvation for them. They have they have achieved salvation. They have achieved their ultimate goal, and then eschatology again is 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 where that theology and salvation ultimately takes you. So in the end, okay, in the end, they want that sort of Marxian worldview to dominate within American culture. They want to so deconstruct the traditional Judeo-Christian work ethic, capitalism. They want to, uh, especially in terms of the topic we're talking about here today, from an ethnic standpoint, they want to uh, uh, relegate white people to such a low level that they become, that, that, that minorities, if you will, become the uh, oppressor. Now, they won't describe themselves in that term, but that's exactly what ends up happening in their eschatology, that the, the, the ones who were uh, oppressed now become the oppressors, and the, those who were once the oppressors now become the oppressed. So that's what I meant in that episode by saying that Black Lives Matter has all three of those elements that every church essentially has. They have a theology a soteriology and an eschatology. Hey, Kyle, let me, let me add, let me add something to what sure. Daryl just said, just, I mean, brilliantly so, and summed it up. I mean, this, that's the, that, that would be the soundbite I'd take away from this, especially for those who are trying to understand the religion of BLM. But what, what I would add is that what they're selling from a standpoint of their eschatology, from a standpoint of their end result, their end day, those of us who are believers Look forward to Christ's return and and life in the eschaton, life in the in the hereafter when there's a new heaven and a new earth. What those who are part of the Church of BLM are selling is they're selling utopia. They're right. selling utopia. They're, 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 and, and and falsely so because at the end of the day they 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 actually know that where they're going does not land in any place that uh, that, that that functions like a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, but they're, they're selling the idea that if you just listen to what they say, if you just follow their their, their ideological positions, their worldview, that this would all be a better place where we could all live better, happier lives. And, and at the end of the day, the, the idea of utopia is, is a place that's nowhere. No, no, you know, utopia actually literally means no place, nowhere. And, and so they're selling that idea to their adherents, to their followers who who jump on board their you know, their, their worldview, uh, when actually it's a place that, that doesn't exist. Well, and even beyond that, that brings to mind the Thomas Sowell book, The Quest for Cosmic Justice. Absolutely. If you can't have justice on this planet, you have to make up justice somewhere. And it's in the same place where utopia is parked. Absolutely. And so where, where I feel like all this comes through, and guys, we gave short shrift. You did a great job, Daryl and Virgil, of kind of summing up those points. You've got to listen to the episodes. If you really want to go into it and get into the really peeling back all the layers of the onion, you've got to go back and listen to those episodes that we've talked about. But in order to move us along, You've got an episode coming up that has, as of the recording of this podcast, has not been released yet, and it's on critical race theory. And I'm assuming that you're going to be talking about how CRT, which is what it's shortened to, is kind of working its way into the modern day church. Even one of my favorite pastors to watch recently, and that's Matt Chandler from the Village Church down in Dallas, he just gave a sermon a few weeks ago where it had a lot of elements of critical race theory and Marxism, but then he protected himself by basically saying, if you're in his congregation and you threaten him that he's a Marxist, that you're being satanic, that that's Satan working through you. But I'm seeing that in a lot of pockets and especially with guys that I thought were maybe impenetrable to things like that. So from y'all's perspective, 
why are churches being so easily sucked into embracing either, you know, the Black Lives Matter hashtag or moniker and overall just critical race theory in general? Yeah, Cal, that's a great question. Let me just get a te- give a teaser out there, if I may, about the critical race theory episode that we're going to have uh, on the Just Thinking podcast. It's going to release this month. Now, that much I can tell you. It is going to release in February. We don't have a specific release date yet. However, uh, with respect to that episode, uh, I'm going to walk through, uh, as we do on every episode, I'm going to walk through, for, first of all, a definition of CRT, and I'm going to also take the listeners through an exposition of how Marxism has influenced CRT. So for someone like a Matt Chandler to say, uh, just sort of arbitrarily like that or subjectively, that if 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 anyone comes to him and accuses him of uh, buying into a Marxist worldview, that that's satanic. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, but uh, it is satanic. <laughs> it is satanic. It is Marxist. Um, uh, CRT, when you look at uh, a lot of its current day proponents, as well as if you go back over the history of where CRT originated over in uh, Europe and the Frankfurt School over in Frankfurt, Germany, you, what you will find is that cre- uh, critical theory, number one, the overall umbrella, the larger umbrella from which critical race theory is born, critical theory was an idea, a philosophy that was generated and originated by proponents of of, of advocates and, and students and peers of Karl Marx. This, this is this is an objective fact, Mac right. Chan. So when you, when you when you go from the 1930s in the Frank, Frankfurt School up to 2010 now, more than 80 years later, and you look objectively at the history and the roots of critical race theory. Uh, I'm sorry, Matt Chandler, you're wrong. Uh, critical theory is rooted in Marxism. Critical race theory is rooted in the materialism that was uh, 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 integral to Marxism. And, and there is no way historically that you can uh, dissect the origins, the genesis of critical theory and not come to that conclusion. So in the episode that we're going to release, we're going to walk and, 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 and exposit the roots of, of CRT, the genesis of it, and bring you all the way from the 1930s in the Frankfurt School all the way up to now and talk about why churches mm-hmm. are so gullible in embracing that satanic worldview. Mm-hmm. I, 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 let me jump in here and say a couple things with, with respect and to specifically what Matt Chandler tried to do. I heard a little bit of that sermon and folks have been sending excerpts of what he shared in that space what he and others like him are appealing to, especially when they promote ideas like CRT, which is a lens by which to view all of society, all of culture. Uh, it has the presupposition that every interaction is an interaction with power structures, one of one who's in the position of the oppressor and one who's in the position of the oppressed. It sees everything through the lens of race and, and, and especially in our culture because of the because of the power dynamics associated historically speaking with race in the country. And so what, what Matt Chandler is appealing to when he tells you not to not to you know say anything against him, he's appealing to what what I what I call uh, th- this this idea of 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 ethnic antinomianism. Right. The, the idea that, you know what, the laws don't apply because I'm using something that benefits a certain ethnic group. So if, I, if, I'm, if I'm examining the world through the lens of, of, of something positive or affirming for people of color, then no one has the right by which to examine it or, or critique it. 
In other words, there's there's no critique for critical race theory. Critical race theory can critique everything else, but no one has the right uh, or ability to question CRT. And so what what right. what he the appeal there is to what what I call CRT light. And so because I heard in that same sermon, his appeal was, hey, we hold the we hold the Bible high. We hold the Bible high. But in addition to that, we want to examine other sources, other resources, other perspectives, other ideas, other points of view. And so rather than having proper biblical hermeneutics, we appeal to an ethnic hermeneutic, right? A hermeneutic that's ethnically motivated, that that has the lens of someone's someone's historic past, their experiences. This is the this is. What, what we used to call that is eisegesis. Now we call it an ethnic hermeneutic. And, and for some odd reason, we believe that that's to be more palatable to people. Kyle, can, can, can I come yeah, in here and just go say ahead, one more thing? Go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, the, just to build on what Virgil was talking about, see, the, the, uh, the susceptibility of the church, I think is due in part because of the fact that the church, and I, when I say the church, I mean professing Christians, what, they, what they've done is they, they've confused the gospel with moralism. They right. think that was moralism. So they buy into this sort of social gospel worldview, which includes CRT, and they bought into the lie that CRT peddles that everything should be equal, that materialism, especially materialistically speaking, that every, that, that that the gospel really is uh, geared and designed to uh, to create uh, and, and sort of form this uh, this sort of rabbit out of a hat kind of world where everything is equal. But when you look at CRT and the social gospel in general, what you find is that you cannot you cannot uh, drive towards equality without being partial. It's impossible. You CRT demands that you go into it with a a built in prejudice, a built in bias, a built in sinful bias and prejudice, I will say, against certain groups. So what CRT does, it takes Everyone who's created in the Imago Dei, it takes Genesis 127, bastardizes it, and, and then breaks you down into groups and then subgroups of those groups and then subgroups of those other groups. Right. So that you, you They pit these groups against one another so that the, the, if, if you're in a group that has something, Kyle, and then I'm in a group that doesn't have something, well, Kyle... You're you're racist. You're 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 bigger. You need to you need to give up what you have. You need to give up the advantages that you have in your group and give them to me simply because I don't have what you have. And then the the, the presupposition, as Virgil said, the presupposition just to build on that is that the reason you have what you have, Kyle, is because I uh, you took advantage of me. That's what they call zero sum. So you right. you have you have it on the you the only reason you have what you have is because. You took it from me, you see. So this, the, the, what we have to do as Christians, we have to be more discerning <laughs> than this, than to fall naively for this sort of warped version of equality, justice, uh, equity that CRT uh, advocates are trying to pass forth and what people like Matt Chandler are buying into and preaching from his pulpit, because that's not the gospel. And I think what people are going to find out when they listen to this episode that we're going to be doing on critical race theory, they're going to find exactly why I say that. 
Right. And guys, just just so because I know some of you might be a little sensitive to this. Um, we are not just picking on Matt Chandler. These, these guys didn't even know I was going to ask about Matt Chandler. And we've invited Matt Chandler to come on this podcast to talk about a myriad of things. But obviously, this would be an area I would push him on as well, because he's kind of been going down the Eric Mason woke church road for a while now. And, you know, it's it would be interesting to hear him in a less sermonized manner, kind of give his reasons for that. But some things that you all brought up in and, and we don't have enough time to go into all that. But, you know, that's the difference between equity and equality. You're, you're hearing a lot of things out of the Joe Biden administration. Now they're not talking about equality. They're talking about equity. Equality is, you know, equality of opportunity. Equity is equality of outcome. And you just can't have that in a postmodern worldview that's been steeped in this crit critical race theory stuff. But uh, to kind of get even more, maybe so into the political side of things to get your perspective, most of the stats that you find about black folks in the U.S. state that around 80% or so of them identify as Christian. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, to an observer like me, most stats also show that around 90% of black folks in the U.S. also identify as Democrat. And I'm, I'm obviously not going to be the guy to sit here and say that it's impossible for someone to be a Democrat and a Christ-centered, uh, you know, gospel-centered Christian. But the thing that's that I want to kind of get your perspective on is how can so many black folks consider themselves to be Christians while supporting a political party in the United States whose platforms seem to be antithetical to the gospel and godly morality, you know, especially on the issue of something like abortion. Yeah. Uh, let me jump in here. I, I'll say a couple of things with regard to that. And, 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 and I'll, I'll leap off of this page based upon something that, that Daryl has said on numerous occasions, uh, which is we, we have no understanding of a, what the gospel is. Uh, and, and, and as a result, we have very little understanding of what it actually means to be Christian. Uh, any basic uh, worldview test that you find, Ligonier does a fantastic job every year of, of examining, you know, biblical worldview. Those of us who claim to be Christian, what does it look like for, do we have the basic, basic understanding of what Christianity is to pass a worldview test? And more times than not, we, we absolutely don't. So I think, I think the question begins to start there. I, I want to go back to something you mentioned with regard to equity and equality uh, before, before I hand it to, to Daryl. And simply say that that what they're now beginning to do with regard to language is they they recognize that those of us who have who study this we see we see the difference between equity and equality. We recognize that that equity of, of outcome is is actually a bad thing. We we recognize that in order to get equity of outcome, you have to steal from someone else in order to give to someone else. We also recognize that equality is is a good thing. So now what they're doing with the language, if you notice is they're using the word equality when actually what they mean is equity. So to, to, the, to the casual observer who, who would embrace equality, you got to realize, do they mean equality of outcome or are they speaking of equality of opportunity? Are they speaking of, of, of equity from a standpoint of, of making sure that this person gets their fair share? Or are we talking about equality from a standpoint of all of us are image bearers of God and equal in the eyes of God. And we, we, we have got to be better stewards of understanding language and the like. Now, your, your, your final question related to blacks and the amount of them, the number of them that, that have voted Democratic. I, I think Daryl has a, has a better handle on why that is. But, but I, I would appeal to the fact that what we call Christian uh, or who we're, we call Christian and what we've accepted in, in culture from a standpoint of understanding Christianity plays a major role 
and, and, and the direction we've taken. I could go back to historically and look at numbers and, and the, the, the programs that dealt with, 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 with drugs and rehabilitation and, 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 the, and the, the, um, the, the kind of, kind of welfare state that we've been, that, that government has offered the black community and, and how we've glommed onto that. But, but I, I won't take the time to go down those roads. I want to stay theological primarily. And I think those are, those are the rationale behind the reasons why. Yeah, let me just add to what Virgil said there, Kyle. Uh, in answering your question, I think a primary reason, this is not the only reason, but I think a primary reason is because the uh, sermons and messages that you're getting from pulpits of uh, predominantly black churches, especially in urban areas, is, th- is, is they're, they're basically giving the same message of suffrage. Mm-hmm given when the black church was founded more than 200 years ago in this country, most of the sermons that you're hearing are still rooted in suffrage mm. and, and slavery that, that have black people believing that they're still looking for this Moses to lead them on the Exodus into the promised land. And that promised land is always an economic promised land. It's always, it's, it's always a materialistic uh, promised land. You, you, that is what you're getting. That, that, that's the hermeneutic. That is the interpretation of scripture that you're getting from the vast majority of these pulpits in these inner city churches, because what's happening is these pulpits are increasingly being stabbed and manned by young uh, black, uh, some of them maybe seminarians, some of them not, who are coming out of liberal seminaries like Union Theological Seminary and others who have bought into this woke hermeneutic. They're being taught woke theology in the seminary. So they're coming out of seminaries trained to basically propagate the same message of suffrage in the pulpits of these churches. And the, the, the congregants who sit under this, under these sermons, under these messages, are buying it. They're soaking it up hook, line, and sinker. You know, when you think about the whole uh, matter of equity, uh, justice, equality, A a fundamental and predecessor question that has to be asked even before we get to a conversation around what do these things look like? You have to ask yourself, where did these ideas come from? Where did the idea of justice come from? Where did the idea of equity come from? Where did the idea of uh, equality uh, come from? Those are not ideas and concepts that originated with human beings. I'm looking at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that the that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So here we are, uh, an, an innately sinful human race. Every one of us was conceived possessing a sin nature within our Constitution. And yet here we are talking about equity, justice and equality, concepts that in our own finite, sinful, fallen nature, we would never conceive of because look at how we're treating one another. So we go back to, okay, what's the origin of these principles? Well, the origin is God. And we need to be looking back to the character of God for the definition of justice, the definition of equality, the definition of equity. Uh, And I'll just close out by saying this. I wrote a blog article recently, Kyle, and I titled it the very words that you used in your question. I titled it Equity or Equality. And I leveraged uh, First Kings chapter three and how Solomon wisely adjudicated that situation between the two prostitutes who came before him, each of whom was claiming that the baby uh, that was uh, in play here was belonged to them. One baby had uh, one of the mothers had 
slept on top of the baby, her baby died. Well, you had two women coming to Solomon saying, hey, we want you to decide decision, this, this decision for us. And that whole situation, Kyle, involves both those concepts. It, it, it involves equity and equality. Now, Solomon knew that he was responsible to God to adjudicate the situation based on equity. That is unbiased, the application of un, impartial truth to both people equally. That's how you get equality. Saul was, not, I'm sorry, Solomon was not concerned about the outcome. So when we talk about in terms of equity and equality, one woman in that situation, both women were judged with equity, but only one woman got equality. Only one woman, because one of the women had to walk away without a baby. Right. So that, that that's equality as well. But but that, that outcome was rooted in equity, the impartial application of truth to both women. And, and once you get that, you have equality regardless of the outcome. No, I absolutely understand where you guys are coming from with that. And and guys, again, this is another reason why you have to listen to the Just Thinking podcast because we're we're giving short shrift to these answers. We're getting, you know, a little five minute tidbits and you guys spend hours and hours really kind of teasing these things out. And you're not just going off your own opinions or some books that were written by someone else who hasn't read the Bible either. You're really digging into the theology and the reasoning behind everything. Another question I have for you is around what I've seen is kind of the expansion of the word community and how that's kind of going against individualism, but it's also kind of aiding in some of the postmodern thought. And what I mean is you hear a lot of people in the news or maybe on, on Facebook or something, they talk about the black community or the gay community or the Latino or Latinx community, whatever uh, you know politically correct language they're using. But do you guys feel like that hurts individuality? When you look at a group of people as a monolith, uh, especially a group of people that are made up of, you know, having similar immutable characteristics, do you feel like the word community is maybe harmful to some of the arguments we're making? Yeah, I absolutely think it does. Uh, matter of fact, it, it hurts in, in, in a biblical sense. It hurts because it robs you of the uniqueness that you have in being created in the Imago Dei. That, that it, it totally robs you of that and then lumps you into this sort of generalized category based on the presupp many presuppositions, not the least of which is that because you uh, you qualify for this certain uh, generalization of category that you think the same way, you act the same way, you vote the same way, you do everything the same way. I mean, this is especially the narrative that is propagated uh, in America and has been for decades as it relates to black people. Um, I wrote a blog article uh, uh, a couple years ago, and I titled it The Myth of Black Community. The Myth of Black Community, because that term, black community, is a myth. It is a myth because within the black community itself in America, and I, I use the word black community in air quotes, within that demographic, within that, that category, you have uh, ethnic prejudice, what people would call racism. You have prejudicial racism within the black community. Right. I mean, there, there, there are, that's what I call intra-ethnic racism. That's intra-ethnic uh, prejudice. That's intra-ethnic bias. We have black people who uh, are prejudiced against other black people, ethnic black people, because of their, the lightness of their skin, the texture of their hair, the size of, or thick, the thickness of their lips. Uh, there's all kind of uh, discrimination that goes on within uh, demographic that no one wants to talk about. That is the elephant in the room. So when you talk about community in terms of sharing a common shade of melanin, that is a myth. We do Black people do not all think alike. We do not all vote alike. We do not all 
subscribe even to the same worldview. Uh, so, so in that sense, Kyle, that term community is it's a myth and it does destroy fundamentally the Imago Dei and the uniqueness with which God created every individual. What about you, Virgil? I, I feel exactly the same way. The idea of, of community is purposed, right? It's purposed to get you away from thinking of yourself as an image bearer of God uh, with distinct value, dignity, and worth. And it aligns you with the purpose for the, it, its purposed language to align you with a specific oppressed group. So that once you've aligned with that oppressed group, we can examine the intersections of your oppression in an effort to leverage the, the narrative to overthrow culture. That's the whole purpose of this language around, quote unquote, community. Right. I'm a part of the black community. Well, that the black community now has a specific narrative that is now leveraged for the purpose of overthrowing and upturning, uh, overthrowing and, and overturning um, systems, the capitalist system, the capitalist culture. I was I was watching a, a particular um, video this morning uh, where there was a uh, because of the uh, large Hispanic and black population in a particular area or particular area of the country, uh, this particular school system was going to do away with acronyms because they had determined that acronyms were now racist. An acronym that right. that that all of us use equally is now racist language. And so again, what they did by what they what they did is they appealed to the Latinx group and black and, and the blacks. And they said, hey, listen, you guys have been oppressed. And as a result, of the oppression, one of the things that have oppressed you is acronyms. And so we're going to over so the, the whole purpose of of combining these community, quote unquote, communities together is for the purpose of looking at and deconstructing culture. That's why they're using it. Absolutely, guys. And man, we could go into so many other different areas, but we're running on limited time. So we're going to go ahead and go to our last segment of the podcast here. What we always like to do with our guests is we like to do this segment called, What Would You Say to Someone That Said? And basically, I'm going to fill in the blank. And here's the thing. This is lightning round. No matter how much you want to go on about the topic, you've got 30 seconds to answer that question, even if it's on a big topic, but it's just to give us a little bit of a nibble as to kind of what your thought process is. So you guys up for it? Yes, sir. Yep. All right, we'll go uh, We'll go back and forth. We'll do Daryl first, and then we'll do Virgil. So, Daryl, what would you say to someone that said, the U.S. can become a racism-free country through government legislation? Impossible. Impossible, because any ism, any behavioral, any attitudinal ism, whatever the prefix is, is the suffix is ism, whatever attitudinal, attitudinal ism you're talking about originates in the heart, and you cannot legislate heart change. It's impossible. Absolutely. Virgil, I heard you giggling in the background, so this one's for you. What would you say to someone that said the U.S. can become a racism-free country, period? Well, again, that's absolutely foolish on its face um, because there are what's called sinners in the world. And the reality <laughs> of the fact that there are sinners in the world is that sinners actually sin. Uh, and, and to the point Daryl made, that leg, leg, trying to legislate heart change is absolutely irresponsible on its face. I mean, and it, it produces another uh, another religion. We have a religion that changes hearts, and that is the and that is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. Next lightning round question here, Daryl. What would you say to someone that said, "If Jesus were alive today, he'd be a socialist"? Wrong. If Jesus were alive today, he'd be God. 
Okay. Well, yeah, you can just walk off on that one. I'll take it. All right. Next one for you, Virgil. What would you say to someone that said Karl Marx influenced the 20th century more than anyone else? And he will influence the 21st century more than anyone else. Well, that 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 has yet to be determined, but it is not surprising if the current trajectory is any indication. Um, Marxian thought, uh, Marxism is alive and well in the culture. And I think it's important for believers of God uh, to stand up to the point Daryl just made about about Jesus, him being God, him being king of kings and Lord of lords. We have to stand on that truth. All right, next one here. What would you say to someone that said, and this is for Daryl, socialism will work. It just hasn't worked quite yet. Wrong again. I mean, if social, if socialism, see, here's the irony about socialism. You need capitalism in order for socialism to work. Socialism, right. capitalism. so it's, it's not secular to even think about socialism because it doesn't like capitalism. You know, socialism works until everyone else runs out of money. It's right. like at, right. at some point it, it, it doesn't work out that way. So yeah, it collapses on itself. Yeah, absolutely. There's no scaffolding to hold it up. Next question here, Virgil. What would you say to someone that said the Black Lives Matter organization slash movement will lead to more racism in the U.S.? I I would completely agree with that. That's been an indication. If you even look at the at the at the numbers of of people who who even during the the time period when Black Lives Matter began, which was under the Obama administration, the more and more we focused on those issues, the more and more we talked about those issues, the more upset and angry people became about those issues, the more racism, quote unquote, that they saw in the culture. And so what you saw was not the negation of racism, but the increase and rise of it. All right, guys, just a few more and we'll get out of here. Daryl, what would you say to someone that said, because of systemic racism in the U.S., black Americans just can't get ahead? Well, there is no systemic racism in the U.S., uh, number one. And anyway, what that statement sort of rules out is God's universal law of reaping and sowing. Uh, you know, then you got a presupposition built into that that doesn't define, you know, what what it is uh, that b- black people have have not attained by virtue of of that argument. And what how can you demonstrate uh, to me, for example, what I haven't obtained? How can you objectively prove that it was systemic racism that caused me to not be what I ought to be by now? Absolutely. Next question, Virgil. What would you say to someone that said? Planned Parenthood was founded to systemically eradicate black Americans. Again, I think you go back to uh, the founder, um, Margaret Sanger, and and look at what she determined. I mean, she her thought process uh, was, you know, she she had she had an idea that blacks were blacks and and people of color uh, were, were, were weeds. Right. That she she didn't think of them in, in the image of God uh, or bearing out any value, dignity and worth. And so she, she, she leveraged that idea with black preachers and told them to to promote her ideas. I mean, that's kind of what you what you see have that's happened historically and that currently takes place now with uh, Planned Parenthood. All right, guys, the last question of the day, and I will give you each a chance to answer and we'll just go alphabetical. Daryl first and then Virgil. What would you say to someone that said in heaven? We will truly be colorblind. Hmm, that's an interesting. Well, no, number one, we won't. We won't be. So, so again, another presupposition. What do you mean by colorblind? Right. What do you mean by that? So we need to have some definite. We need to have an objective definition of what that word means. But according to Scripture, especially if you look at Revelation chapter seven, right. no, we won't be colorblind. We will all recognize one another in heaven. 
Uh, so we will identify one another as 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 we as we knew you on earth, even, even though your existence won't be like it here is here on earth. We will recognize one another. So no, you won't be colorblind. The sinful prejudice that you harbor in your heart, however, right. will be a past thing, a past reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had a second to think about it. Daryl was put on on the spot, but <laughs> I, I would I would I would I would echo that. I would say absolutely. I mean, in in, in Revelation seven, we have every tribe, tongue, nation. Uh, race, people group uh, represented in heaven. And what I think we'll get back to is the beauty that God intended in created order from a standpoint of the beauty of diversity, of of, of melanin, of skin, of texture, of hair, of, of, of all of that, that God desired for us to have. He desired for us to to examine his beauty and for it to be a reflection of his glory. And so we we, we definitely will see those things, but in the proper light of of, of its gospel implications. Well, guys, that's a great place to leave it. We have talked about a lot of things on this podcast, but before we let you go, is there anything else you guys want to get off your chest? Yeah, I just want to point, first of all, thanks again, Kyle, for having us on. And then secondly, I just want to point all your listeners to the Just Thinking podcast. We encourage you to go to Just Thinking, that's one word, justthinking.me, justthinking.me. Click on the podcast link. We have a repository of 107, soon to be 108 episodes where we've, uh, uh, cover many of the topics that we talked about here in great detail, much greater detail. So check us out at uh, justthinking.me or you can subscribe on any podcast platform. All right, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, thanks for coming on Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Kyle. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I just got to tell you, when I leave a conversation with a couple of guys like Daryl and Virgil, I just feel like, man, I wish I was smarter. I wish I would have read more books. These dudes' arguments are so airtight and they're so pleasant to talk to and they play off of each other well. I mean, one of them was in California. The other one was in Nebraska. And here I am in Oklahoma and we had a great conversation. So I really, really hope you guys enjoyed that. But before we let you guys go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we hope you do that by providing you content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So the only resource we have for you today is a link that Daryl talked about there at the end, and that is the link to the Just Thinking podcast page. It's just justthinking.me.me, and you can go there to get information about the podcast, how you can support those two guys, you know, get over to their social medias, but again, go anywhere where you get podcasts and you'll be able to find the Just Thinking show. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us five stars and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content that really will help us out i'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2021 so if you want me to come speak on your podcast at your men's event at your company at your team whatever hit me up info at undaunted.life again the email is info at undaunted.life the website is www.undaunted.life you can follow us on instagram and twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife check out our free devotionals on the uversion bible app just search undaunted life under plans and as always we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. I need enough